Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. question mark is there because from time to time he's not here and today is one of those days deceive dave my brother from exactly the same exact mother i've checked it a thousand times i come to the same conclusion every time he is my actual brother but he is not here today he is at work busting his ass doing whatever the fuck it is he's doing over there i don't know He's a boss, so he starts yelling at people and doing the what's-its. It's in the blood, folks. We were meant, us Orsinis were meant to be in charge. Otherwise, what would the world do besides collapse on itself and draw into the darkness of madness? Ah, Yes, the vibe today will be a little different today. <laughs> uh, call me Mr. Positivity, baby. That's me. That's me. It's Mr. P, Mr. Positivity. Feeling upbeat. Feeling good. Gonna feel better later. That's for a different conversation. But as of right now, feeling good. Mr. Positivity, that's me. You know, they call me the OTP, Mr. P. P's at the end of that. So positivity. Or Cini the positive today, I guess. I guess. Smile, keep the smile from turning upside down. Ah, push through. <laughs> no, but seriously, it has been it has been good here at the House of O. Has been good, has been good. I I always, f- I never feel the need to brag. I never really feel the need to boast. I know that everybody out there is having the greatest of years, but uh, here at the House of O, it's. Actually been a pretty productive 2022. And uh, uh, Dave is also having one hell of a 2022. He's got the little baby at the house. He's got the baby. He's back at the job. So he's got some things going on. And uh, we switched our recording days to Saturday uh, because that is his day off. But I uh, completely blanked. Because we had morning plans here at the House of O, and I completely forgot about uh, the changed schedule. For some reason, my brain was still telling me Sunday. Uh, was not acclimated just yet to the Saturday, so completely forgot, slipped, didn't get a chance to do it. 
yesterday, uh, but I am doing it today. And my wife asked me before I came on the air, and she said, well, what the hell are you even going to talk about on this episode? And the answer was very simple, my friends. Positivity is what we're talking about here today. That's what's on the main course for today's activities here on the Orsini's Uncensored Mind Show. Uh, what episode is this? Let me pull this up. I just had it up a second ago. I always lose track. If you listen to this show long enough, you know. Uh, bad with remembering this crap. 245. 245. That is the episode number here. Next week, we will have 246. Uh, hopefully, because I have a humongous show this Saturday. So if this fucker wants to uh, get this show done, he he's going to have to wake up in a.m. to get it done. Because I got to be out. I got a show to do in the early afternoon. And uh should be dope. It's in my own backyard of the Lower East Side of Manhattan, New York. Mere blocks from where I grew up. As a matter of fact, I did a lot of growing up on the exact block of this show. Because down the block from where this show is taking place, it's a little place called Pit Liquor Store. Right there on the corner. Well, not the corner. A couple stores down. Very close to the corner of Pitt Street and Delancey. I don't know how many times I've gotten into arguments, fights, but also how many friends I've made on that block. <laughs> Sober or drunk, take it for what it is. Uh, so many years, so many friends, so many people I have met and spent time with on that block where that where this event's taking place. I'll give you the full information here, actually, because it is deadly. It is exactly right in front of me. 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 1002. It's a $10 admission, but it also gives you two uh, two tickets for rides this is a festival our lady of sorrows church festival uh it's a fundraiser for the church in downtown lower manhattan uh they are allowing fans in at 1 30 bell time is two so if fucker wants to get this done he's gonna have to show up early because i got to go i got places i got the places to be you know what i mean you know what i mean so, uh, yeah, I got this big show coming up. It's called Six Borough Slam. I I have to – this is why I said this show is going to be about positivity because this this is this – is, this show is not being recorded for anything. If it's being recorded at all, I'd be stunned. Uh, we're not on pay-per-view. This isn't going to be for fight or for some live streaming service. This isn't even – this isn't even the beginning of a company. It's not like a company has chosen this venue, this church, so to speak, to begin some sort of forward-moving project. This is this very well could be a one-off. We may not even be invited back for another show next year. This is just a one-time deal. Uh, the people involved with the church know people involved with wrestling in the New York area and made a few connections, got some hood-ups and... Here we are. There'll be a ring down there. We're going to be doing a show. And, of course, uh, this is going to be an amazing day for me personally. I said that last time. And I didn't really get a chance to divulge into what that really meant as far as why it's so important to me that there's a show taking place 
not only is there a show taking place in this area specifically, but the fact that I'm uh, going to be on this show is 100% just tremendous to me. Because, you know, let's pull the curtain back just a little bit. Everybody at some point in time, I feel, everybody at some point in time, if you've watched wrestling, if you've followed wrestling, even if you've been in the business or not, you could have just been a hardcore fan, whatever. I think at some point in time, somebody has tried to backyard wrestle at some point in their lives. That's why I never understood the hatred for it back in the day. You know, as long as, as long as, they don't bring that backyard bullshit into the business and they go to a school and they train and they learn the correct way to do things and they're safe and they pursue their dreams. I don't know why I used to wrestle with my friends for fun off in some park somewhere or some backyard somewhere was always a negative thing. And now there's so many people who have done it that it's kind of it's a lot more embraced than it was before, even though the the facts still stay true. You, you don't bring the backyard shit into the business. You don't come into this thinking you already know what you're doing just because you did that. You come in, you train, you get better, you learn the basics, you keep your opponent safe. It's it's all the usual shit you would do whether you back out it or not, and you just wanted to be in the business. So as long as you don't bring that in, you're good. But I used to do that back then. I, I used to be a part of a group. Uh, originally, I was part of a group called AGW. Anything Goes Wrestling. And it was me... And maybe like six or seven friends and my girlfriend at the time, who is my current wife. And this was 2004, I want to say, 2004, something like that. And uh, we used to we used to backyard wrestle. We used to do spots and you know, all kinds of crazy shit. We'd kill each other on those park mats. And then along came another company. They were running around the same time that we were running. We just never interacted until, like, a, I say a year or two later, about 06. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, there was this huge backyard company, humongous. They had a lot of people, and they were all dope. And they kind of started – they came around right at around the time YouTube started really becoming a more popular thing, and it was great for them because they were able to get noticed all over the place. Uh, 2KW started running in that same park that we were running at. And uh, that's how I'm – that connection, AGW kind of folded down and it just kind of stopped happening. But 2KW not only continued on but got bigger as the years went on. And that's where I met a lot of the guys that are a big part of my life today. Uh, Ray's, Max Mercy, I met those guys through the 2KW. Well, Max Mercy was an AGW guy too, but when 2KW became more of a thing, like that's when I kind of really becoming more, you know, closer to these people and and Whiplash and Chris Cage, the whole goat, uh, Joe Bullrog, just so many of the individuals that are in my life today in the wrestling business as we move forward, you know. With our careers, we've done pay-per-view, we've done live stream, we've done, you know, we've gotten in the car or the vans and we've driven, you know, to different states all around the country from the south to the east coast to the midwest, everywhere. We've driven everywhere together Uh, and we're still in the business today. Uh, Whiplash just recently retired, but 
You know, I mean, this is 04, 05, 06, and, uh, and we took that experience and we transitioned into an actual school where we were trained by uh, the SATs, the Maximos, and they took all the guys from 2KW, for the most part, for the ones who stayed committed and still wanted to do this for real. Um, they, they took all of us under their wing and, and really showed us the business and, and really taught us what it was like to be a professional and so you just you just tack on the years like that's where the dream started you know that's first of all it's where i'm born but that's where the dream really started we backyarded in the lower east side uh the first one of the first people i ever met that connected with me to wrestling in the lower east side in my past was uh brandon lewis and we used to make jokes all the time because we used to we we met each other through a mutual friend his name is Etienne and we used to go to Etienne's house and we used to watch the uh TNA Wednesday pay-per-views they used to do weekly shows on pay-per-view for like I don't know was it like a penny or some shit or a dollar I don't remember it was dirt cheap uh my friend had the box anyway so it didn't matter we were watching them for free but they were every Wednesday and it started off with me and Etienne and maybe on some off times when I wasn't there between Brandon and Etienne, and then it was the three of us, and then four, and then five. And then I met my girlfriend in, well, I, yeah, I met my girlfriend in 2003, my current wife. And I started taking her to Etienne's house to watch the shows. And the group just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's how we started backyarding. We'd watch the Wednesday pay-per-views, and we'd go out to the front of Etienne's building where there was a park. And we would just... Start doing shit. We was, eventually we started having like, I don't, I don't say full on full on shows, but at the same time like three matches maybe because there wasn't a whole lot of us. Even my wife was getting involved and she would get physical and she would get active in the matches and and whatnot. So like that all that's all happening in the Lower East Side. And we used to sit in Etienne's house and sometimes me and Brandy would get hyped and we would make jokes and we would pretend to like call the action so to speak but it was just being jackasses and then i think one point etienne muted the tv and it was the, the show was going on and me and brandon were just calling it like commentators in the room and we were just joking around fucking around but it was a lot of fun and you fast forward from there just two kids who loved wrestling and thought they knew what it took to just be commentators and, and call the action. And we were just being very funny and cliche and just bullshitting around. And what is that? About 04, now we're in like 03, 04, kind of 05 territory. You take that experience, right? That that moment of, man, I really love this and I'm glad that we're bonding over this. I wonder if there's ever an opportunity for us to really do this. And then you... about 10 years about 2014 or 15 one of those and um house of glory is having the ultimate dream match and that dream match was the amazing red versus Rey mysterio it's one of the most talked about matches in wrestling history as far as high flyers go when you talk about innovation you talk about who are the two best that you can think of that could just come up with shit on the spot and it just works? 
These were the two, and they had never faced each other. And House of Glory finally got it done. Rey Mysterio versus The Amazing Red. And up until that point, the commentators, the original commentators for House of Glory is myself and Brandon Lewis. And The Amazing Red and Rey Mysterio are finally going to have a match in a House of Glory ring at the NYC Arena in Jamaica, Queens. And the two kids that used to joke around and used to sit in Etienne's house who would mock call shows that had Amazing Red on it. Now, you fast forward 10 years, we work for Red in his company, and we're going to actually call on the air the dream match. And and we always joke to this day that there's no other voices, there's no other commentary out there that you will hear that calls the Amazing Red versus Rey Mysterio. It's just us, and that goes down in history. That match finally happened. It only happened once, and we were the ones that called it. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of all of the things that myself and Brandon Lewis were able to do together. I'm going to talk more about Brandon Lewis a little bit later on, but I'm getting to a point when it comes to the Lower East Side. I'm from... Originally, my grandparents, my mom, my whole family basically comes out of the Vladic Apartments. Down more specifically off of uh, Jackson Street and Cherry. That's the intersection basically right across from uh, Jackson Park. It's where I grew up. It's where, you know, it's where I became me, so to speak. And all my wrestling buddies that I met in the Lower East Side were all within the same radius, or a block here, a block there. I didn't know when I was growing up that there was a young girl down the block from where I was that eventually I would marry. I didn't realize that either. But it all it's all about, my whole life revolves around that little section of Manhattan. And that's where the dream began. That's where the story of... You know, people, I don't know if I've told this enough times on the show. We're about to end the show in about two weeks. So I guess now is as good as any time to remind people that the name A.J. Orsini is an homage to my parents. Orsini being, well, A.J. being Anthony Jr., which is my father. My father is senior. I share his name as Anthony Jr. So A.J. and my mother's original maiden name when she was born was Orsini, and that's where I got A.J. Orsini, and both of them were born in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, New York. My mother lived in the Vladic Apartments, so did my father, about a building or so over. My roots, my family, generational, whatever, whatever, are all in those apartment buildings, are all in that area. Even when I moved, you know, when me and my wife finally got together in 2008 and we said we were going to move in together. And then 2009, we got married. We moved to Brooklyn. We've been in Brooklyn ever since. But we always tied. We live in Brooklyn. Home has always been the Lower East Side of Manhattan, New York. So while it was dope to travel to places like Texas and PA and Florida and, and you know, we, we're headed to Maryland and a few and I've been to Maine, and this is all for, like, wrestling stuff, for, to, to, to New Hampshire and Massachusetts and to Connecticut and all this traveling around PA, even further out than that. You know, while it's good and it's great, and it's a testament to how much work has been put in that you get a chance to travel and meet new people and get a bigger network and make a bigger name for yourself, 
I've never had an opportunity to take that experience and do something where it started, which is home. And this Saturday, on October 1st, I finally get the opportunity to do just that. As a matter of fact, it may be the only time I ever get to do it. This might be a one-and-done thing. So this is a very important, this is a very big deal for me. And the match has already been booked. It's already been announced. I will be managing the Blood Brothers, who are also not only LES kids themselves, but when it comes to wrestling, LES legends. These guys have been around for a long fucking time, and there's a long list of people that respect them very much in that area. And they're going to have family, and they're going to bring people in um, to come see the show. It's just going to be an amazing atmosphere. I'm not going to lie. I may be a little emotional when it's over. I don't know how I'm going to feel, but it's it's dope. I'm all over the flyer, too, which is extra dope because, <laughs> again, we were just a couple of kids. It Ray's, Mercy, myself. There's a lot of people on this card that we didn't know we would actually be in the actual business. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't actually... It was a dream. It was an idea. But it wasn't anything for for certain. You know what I mean? It wasn't anything that we sat there and we said, yeah, it's a guarantee. We're going to do this. We're going to pull this off because we're that talented. No, we didn't know. We just kept pushing. You know, whatever the next step was, you know, and took it and went to the next step and took it and went to the next step and took it. And the next thing you know... We have a career, you know, and I'll I'll be a hundred percent honest with you, man. It's it's gonna be an emotional time. I got people who are gonna be at this thing who've never seen me do anything in wrestling, who knows about my wrestling stuff, who my whole life I'm gonna be forty, always knew that I was into the wrestling stuff, and just they just never saw me do it. They may have seen photos, they may have seen some videos, they may have gotten some links, but they've never been in the building or near the ring and seen me do it. And this Saturday, they're going to get a chance to do just that. So I I don't know how I'm going to feel. I just know that it's, it's going to be an amazing day, and I absolutely cannot wait. And there's there's so much more on the docket for me and the guys. Like I said, we're heading down to Maryland uh, in about... Ooh, the 29th, so what, about four weeks for the Assault Wrestling Alliance's Fall Brawl uh, show. We're going to be competing for the tag team titles, two out of three falls against the Fly Fellas. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. We've got November 12th that I'm looking forward to. Uh, well, let me go in order here, actually, because November 5th I'm excited about because I'm heading back to Connecticut. So I'm in Maryland the 29th. I'm heading to Connecticut on the 5th um, to do Tetsu Pro Wrestling. I'll be hosting that event. So that will be a little bit different. Um, I will be hosting that event. And matches matches are still being announced for that. Can't wait to be back in Connecticut. The week after that, November 12th, uh, Queens. We're in New York again, but I'm in Queens. Queens Elks Lodge. Uh, we're going to be doing... Um, Actually, it's it's not a CCW event. It's going to be an NEW event. 
It's going to be a new evolution uh, pro wrestling event, which, I, you know, again, I'm excited about because we're in Queens. I don't have to travel that goddamn far, which is dope. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that are going to be on the show that I've never had a chance to meet in person. And that's a first for me because I've worked with just about everybody. But, you know, there's going to be some people on the show I've never had a chance to really meet. Uh, the one... The, I've worked with a few of the guys that have been announced for this show, but th just to name a few, I've never had a chance to meet Marafuji, who's going to be on this show. I've always been a fan of his work, uh, and I've never met him, so that's going to be dope to meet. Ultimo Dragon is on this show. This is November 12th in Queens. Uh, Alberto El Patron and Ricardo Rodriguez will be there, which I'm sure will be a fun time for a lot of people. I'm sure they'll do the big entrance. Mil Mascadas will be in the house for November 12th. That one has me very, like, I've never met this guy. Again, I've met so many people in this industry that there's still some left that I haven't is, is nice. So I'm going to get a chance to meet all these people. I'm managing on the 12th. Our tag team titles, I'm sure, will be on the line. So we'll we'll work all that out, and we'll figure out what to do there. I'm sure we'll win again because that's just that's just what we do. We win, and uh, the key, the hits just keep on coming. Even after the twelfth, there's still so much going on. I got two December dates already lined up. Um, we'll wait for more information. I think we're back in. If I'm not mistaken, we're back in Maryland in November. Let me look at my calendar again. Hopefully, defending those tag team titles. <laughs> So, no, we're not. Uh, December 17th is the next time that we're going to be in Maryland. Oh, and my sister-in-law's birthday is on that day. Cool. They'll have something to do. So we'll have the uh, AWA show in Maryland on the 17th, and then we'll lead up into, you know, we can start getting more into Christmas break at territory there. So a lot of stuff going on. On that side of the things, I got the new job going for me. I got the husband and the father duty still on me. But you know what? Still Mr. Positive. That's what we're doing here. We're talking positivity. Actually, I want to spin back to Brandon Lewis for just a second because on that positivity note, burr, 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 this dude just had his 40th goddamn birthday. Now, what the fuck did I just tell you guys two seconds a goddamn ago? About how long ago I've met this motherfucker. I met this dude 2004. So that would be four of his hit. 18 years. I, me and my wife just celebrated 19. So he's 18. This might be the longest relationship I've ever had with a man before. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been friends with someone for this goddamn long. But yes. 18 goddamn years. Being friends with. Let me see. Hollywood Brandon. Then it was the. The. The, not 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 the authentic. Like, what was the one? The feature presentation. There it is. Hollywood Brandon. Then he was the feature presentation. Then he was authentic. And I don't know what the hell he is now. <laughs> 40. The 40-year-old dude named Brandon Lewis is a good fucking guy. And I shared it on social media. That's not my quote. Someone thought it was a good, a funny thing that I said uh, that Brandon is... Uh, one of the most best friendable people on earth. That's not my quote. That's a Paul London quote. 
That's how Paul London describes Brandon. He's very breast, best friendable breast. Well, he doesn't have he does have nice breasts too, but he's very best friendable. Is Brandon Lewis uh, a great dude? Love that guy. One of the nicest people you'll ever fucking meet. So stress free, so stress free. He's not gonna fucking cause you any fucking guff. And I'm the worst friend in the world to him because we'll we'll spend. There'll be times where we talk to each other every day for like a full week, and then we can go six or seven months not saying a fucking word to each other. But then when we do, it's almost like it never went away. It's one of those relationships where you could just pick it right back up and do whatever it is that you need doing, and that's a good time. Brandon Lewis is a good fucking dude. I fucking love this guy. Happy birthday to him. He turned 41st. He was the first guy to turn 40 between the two of us. I get my turn in February. February of this year, I turn 40. And I'll be honest with you, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. My 20s were a tough time. My 30s were not so tough, but stressful. Because I really worked my ass off in my 30s. So that I could enjoy my 40s. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. The work's been put in. The time has been spent. The money's been spent. The effort's been put in. And uh, now it is time to chill, man. I got the kid here. We're we're about to start vacationing it up more. We're going to do some more things together as a family. It's going to be dope sauce. Also want to address really quickly, because I've been asked this before. AJ, what's up with baby number two? You've been rocking that Alex thing for a while, starting to get a little on the old side. You know what I'm saying? Well, y'all going to have to let that Alex shit rock because it looks like uh, me and the missus are closing up shop. As we get a little older each day, it looks like a little less and a little less each time that we're going to be doing down that road. It looks like we might be doing just the one, but that's all right because the one we got is dope. And he's, uh, well, he's got it all figured out, man. This kid's going to be good. I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy can do. He gets really, my son gets really uh, emotional a lot. And one of the things that he fucking, I mean, it drives him up a fucking wall. He hates it to, to his guts. He hates talking about the future. Anything involving the future, he gets fucking red face pissed. Hates talking about it. Because, as he put it, if in the future, if I get older, then you'll get older, and then you won't be with me anymore, and I don't want to think about that. How fucking adorable is that? That's adorbs. That is adorbs. It's also cute of him to assume that as he got older, I was going to stick around any fucking way. What a goddamn, what an arrogant piece of shit he is to just assume that after 18, this relationship will continue. I've got things to do. I proved my point. If he can, he's seven now. It'll be eight in February. If he makes it to 18, I'm good. Legally, right? I'm not responsible for this shit anymore. This is bullshit. At least he's going to college, and then I guess I still got him until 22. But it, what, a, what a goddamn assumption on his part to think that I was going to still fucking be here. Oh, if you get older, then now you'll get older, and, and you won't be here anymore. What's the assumption to that? That if I get if you get old enough that I'm just gonna die off? You think I'm sticking around here 
until I die? That's the assumption you've, that's what you've gotten from this? You haven't fed off of the idea that everything that's happening around is purely necessity? Listen, me and your mother had fun one night, and I shot up the club. And that's how we got you. And I love you to death, my son. I really, really do. But it's cute of you to assume that I'm sticking around past 18. 11 years from now, you turn 18. That makes me 50, bro. 50. And my wife's going to be 48. If you think I'm investing in you past them's my golden years. That's another reason why I don't think baby number two is going to happen. If I got her pregnant tomorrow, it would still take nine months to figure that shit out. And that's now taking me into my 40s, which would mean that in my, at 50, I would have a 10-year-old. Fuck way the fuck off. No thanks. Somebody else mentioned, well, what about adoption? What about it? What are we talking about? Huh? Adoption? I'm not picking up somebody else's saved game, bro. I got... I already beat the game. Or oh, I'm beating. I'm in the process. 11 more years, and then I'm going to I'm gonna be, whatchamacallit. Once he, no, not even 18. Because I'm going to make him go to college. So 22. Once he hits 22 and he's a college graduate, bro, I've hit 100% on this game. I did all the side challenges, all the side missions. I've done the storyline. I've collected all of the fucking... You know, red bricks and, and, and all the other miscellaneous shit you have to get in the game to complete it to 100%. Once he is alive, well, healthy, college educated, and the fuck out of my house, then I have completed the game 100%. I ain't picking up somebody else's saved game for fucking fun. No. This isn't blockbuster video and I'm not renting somebody else's fucking N64 cartridge that for some reason still has save data on it no because i will be the dick that delete well see i was gonna say deletes the save data but now it makes it sound like i'm gonna kill this adopted kid and i'm not because lord knows he's already been through enough he's living in the foster home for christ's sake i don't want to delete him that would be bad as my friend joe pombo would say murder is bad and i stand behind that quote even to this day even to this day I stand behind that. Joe, if you're listening, you were 100% right. I don't think I've ever felt anything as strongly during the course of this whole podcast. It looks like numerically, I'm going to end, because this is 245. We got one more next week, 246. It looks like we're going to end on 247. 247 episodes, five full fucking years. I got I to gotta say... The number one thing that has always stood out from this show is that murder is indeed bad. It's horrible. It's a horrible thing. Murder is bad. And nobody else should partake. So as we go through the rolls, through 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 the rigmarole here of me, of me being Mr. Positivity, let's take this positivity into another direction. Let's talk a little bit about positivity in the world of professional wrestling that's what this podcast predominantly has been about over the course of five years and people have been telling me and i use people in quotation marks you're all serpents in my eyes 
but people have been asking me, AJ, you've been doing this for 11 years. You've been in so many locker rooms, and every time you walk out of there, you always got a smile on your face. All the politics, all the bullshit, all the egos and the divas and the belts this and the drop a title here and do a job here and blah, 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 blah. How do you keep it going, AJ? How do you keep such a such an optimistic view of your career and, and, and what's going on here in the world of professional wrestling? We've got we've got people throwing chairs and biting each other and putting dogs in harm's way and there's people politicking each other and pretending to be injured whilst holding championship belts and I had to I paid a ticket to see an AEW show and I forgot my sleeping bag and it was the worst eleven hours of my life. Or the other way, I went to a WWE pay-per-view and felt literal, physical, spiritual, and mental harm from what they were putting me through. How can you possibly stay so goddamn positive about professional wrestling? And the best way that I could describe how I'm able to maintain my positivity is by explaining what I'm sure many physicians have to go through on a daily basis and what i mean by physicians is i mean whenever you get that housewife that comes into the er or sets an appointment up and they come into the doctor's office the doctor can clearly see what the issue is but has to ask the asinine question anyway well ma'am what is it i can do for you what did you come here for and you see that black eye that shiner right around the orbital bone like a nice brown and black ring all around the eye. And you hear every excuse in the book. Oh, he he swung the door a little too hard. It didn't know I was coming as he was going. and Or, or, or I slipped and fell and hit the corner of the cabinet. Or, or, or I was mugged. That's what it was. I was mugged. Uh, they, they sucker punched me is what it was and they took some valuables of mine every excuse in the book to explain the black guy except for the fact that your husband is beating the shit out of you I'm the lady with the black eye <laughs> I just <laughs> and I think a lot of people I think everybody in wrestling has a black eye but there are some people who have the courage to be like J-Lo in, in that movie and, and train with people to defend themselves against the big mean bullies and, and, and defend themselves and, and protect themselves. And some of them get the courage after getting beaten down over and over and over to say, hey, I can't do this no more. I'm worth more than this. This does not define me. And they leave the relationship. No, I just have to get out of this business. I'm sorry. It's too much for me. And then there's that person who knows that this is a toxic place. Who knows that this person really doesn't love them. But by God, I still love you. And you're right. The dinner was cold. It was completely my fault. This is how I this is how I treat wrestling and how wrestling treats me. The dinner was cold. You're right. 
He's only expressing what he loves. He loves me. That's how he expresses his love. Four knuckles up against my left orbital bone. That's. I would be afraid if he didn't hit me. Because then that would mean that he stopped caring. And that's how I think about wrestling. If wrestling didn't hurt, I would be nervous. And I would be saying to myself, well, I guess there's not much left in the tank. Wrestling doesn't want me anymore. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. I might have to do something else. That would be my concern. But that's the... I know what I just said doesn't sound very much like positivity, but here's the spin. I'm making jokes right now, but here is the spin. Pro wrestling is still great. It's still great. It's still great to me because it still has the elements that I fell in love with. And as a perf- I think what saves my fandom is the performing side of it. I think if I was just a fan and not in the actual business, I would feel a lot worse about professional wrestling. But because I'm in it, then I I feel better about it because there's certain ways to perform this to where it makes sense and it's good or at least fun and can be fun for the audience as well. There's an element to storytelling that goes with this genre of entertainment that is imperative, that is necessary, and as long as a performer, you hold yourself to the same esteem that you hold everyone else. Meaning when you get booked for a promoter, you don't need to be told that you need to do promos. That when you meet a gentleman for a match and things are being discussed, that you're doing what's best for the audience and not just the two people in the ring. This business can still be really, really great. It could still be really, really fun to watch. Here on this podcast, I've made the accusation, we'll say, that fans today have it worse than any other fan base in history. They have it the worst. They have it worse than any other fan base in history. For two reasons. They know too much for their own good because they know shit, but they don't know what they know. They know this is a work. They know that we're in the back having conversations about these matches. They know that the heels aren't really heels. No good guys aren't really good guys. Past that, it's negotiable. They don't really know the specifics of the stories. They don't really know about the drama and behind the scenes. They don't really know about the individuals as people who are involved with the drama behind the scenes. They're guessing. Which is the next part of the problem that I feel makes this generation the one that has it the worst. That because they do receive information, they then take that information and believe they now know how this is supposed to go. And when it doesn't go according to the way they think, then, and this is the worst part I feel, they lose the enjoyment of it. They, they, they work themselves up in their heads 
And then when it doesn't happen the way they work themselves up, then it was whack and no good. And sometimes, and I've seen this happen, it will go exactly as you predicted that it would. And then it becomes predictable and boring. There's like a silent torment that happens to the hardcore fan base now. Where it's like you have this ideology of what it should be. Regardless of what that is, if you're, you know, if you're into the Circus Soleil bullshit with the gymnastics and the spots and blah, blah, great. If you're into the technical catch-as-catch-can style of things, great. If you're into the storytelling, just two people brawling it out, fighting back and forth, trying to see who the, whatever the fuck you're into. Every individual has an ideology of what this is supposed to look like. And when it doesn't fall into that, that's when you start getting negative reactions, that's when you start getting negative feedback for your product, that's when it gets, starts to get crazy. But, that is why I'm saying this particular audience, today's audience, has it the worst. There is no suspension of belief. Plus, they feel that they're a factor in what's happening. This audience feels like it's playing a bigger role than all the other audiences before. Other audiences in the past, they would take what they were given and they either booed it or they didn't. Now, an audience won't really cheer, won't really boo. They're more just kind of indifferent. It's just, it is what it is. Lately, there's been some moments where we've gotten some some genuine reaction from people. But it's not on a consistent basis. But that's why I'm here, Mr. Positivity, to tell you all that we as performers are still in control of that. That's the spin that I really want people to take away from this. We as performers are in control of how that perception could be. The way that we can do that is by taking away the two things I just mentioned makes it harder for the fans today. They have so much access to the talent as people, whether it be following them on social media, whether it be talent going on podcasts and interviews and relaying basically all the bullshit that happens behind the scenes. We, as a community, give outside viewers so much access to us that it gives them a false narrative. It gives them the false idea that they know us and that they know what we do and that they know they know how we should do what we do moving forward. If people in the business stopped giving fans that access, completely cut that off. And the only communication between talent and fan is what happens in the ring and in front of that camera, it'd be a whole different world. It would be very, very easy for people to bring back that suspension of disbelief because they won't know whether it's real or not because you're not telling them if it's real or not. 
we as talent are in control of that. The problem is, is that they're, the talent in question love the likes and love the pat on the backs and love the access and use the access in order to get what they need to get across, whether it be buying merch or their characters. They are in a there are in there are so many people in the business today who use that access, who use that connection to the fans for short term success. Because there's no long term success in that. If you give everything you have to a person, eventually you have nothing left to give them. So if they're frivolous fans, how long do you think they're gonna stick around anyway? As opposed to just giving him a little and giving them a little and giving them a little and spreading all of that out over the course of years as opposed to weeks. Now you've got mystery. Now you've got a, 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 a plan that you can implement over time. And you can you can turn it left or turn it right on a dime and no one's going to know any different. We live in an era where the consumer is now also the content creator. There aren't really, and take yourself out of wrestling for just one second. There really are no consumers anymore. We're all in a position to be content creators now. Now it's just a matter of networking back and forth. I have a podcast. I like other podcasts. So I like, I subscribe, I listen to those other podcasts. But I have a podcast. So what happens is is that when I listen to these other podcasts... I try to go out of my way to make sure that my podcast doesn't sound or feel anything like theirs. I don't want their influence to rub, up on, rub off on me, but that's a thought process that I have. I can't safely say it's a process that everyone has. So now, instead of having two, three, possibly four podcasts, all having different views, all saying different things, and giving you different perspective on certain topics, we have about 20 to 25 podcasts pretty much all regurgitating the same information and to be honest with you the same fucking opinions when you're born raised and live your adult life as a sheep very rarely do you have your own fucking thoughts on things so it's all repeat it's all reshare it's all re retweet whatever that's what's out there i just dropped my microphone box out of I'm using my hands when I speak and I just karate chopped my microphone box. There's nothing in it, it's just a box. This is expensive as headset is on me, it's not in the box. And I'm still I'm still telling you guys that I'm being Mr. Positive about this because I think I think it's still very, very possible for us to at least pull it back. Maybe not so much. We live in 2022, everyone has Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I don't know, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever the fuck you got going on there. Everyone has everything, right? It's free, it's a networking site, you just download the app, blah, blah, blah. I'm not telling you to block all this shit off. Having, having access to these people are good. What I'm telling you is, is having nonstop ac access, 24 hours a day. Every thought off the top of your head in 140 characters or less. It's damaging. And you don't have to damage yourself. You don't. 
And we as talent have to realize it. And, and I've been blocked by people before. But there's two worlds. There's the fan world and then there's the inside world. And if you're going to be inside, you got to think like you're inside. Stop thinking like the fan. Don't lose that fan's perspective. It will help you with your creativity. But you got to get away from the fan mindset. You have to now change it to a business mindset. And it's different that way. Some of the best actors, some of the best, well, to be honest with you, even reality TV shows. Like, people look at reality TV as, like, the bane of everyone's existence. Oh, my God, real housewives of whatever fucking county in some country or whatever. And, yeah, they're all over social media. Yes, they're all over the TV. But you know what they're talking about? Business. They shill most of their shit. They're on the TV shilling. They're on the social networking shilling. For the most part, the only pieces of information they ever let slip out in the public about their personal shit is the shit they want you to know. Because it's a part of the storyline. It's all in gimmick. All this shit is gimmick. There's a reason why actors, full-blown Oscar-winning actors, have social media, but they're not on the fucking social media. They're not on it like that. They're not out giving you their opinions of everything every two seconds and 140 characters or less. They're more reserved. They're more to themselves because they understand the game. That's how you get longevity. How can you miss me if I if you, if I don't go away? Not bombarding the people with everything that you got every second of the fucking day gives them time to get over you and then miss you and then want to see you again. We are in control of this. I have multiple social medias. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I got a fucking. I, I do have a TikTok. I don't. I don't upload anything to it, but I have it because people send me links, and it's easier to see the links through the app than it is the web page. So I downloaded it. I do have an account. I'm thinking about doing something with it, but I don't know yet. I have a Tumblr for some reason. <laughs> I have a WordPress for some reason. I, long story, but I wanted to hit all avenues to get my show out there. That's why I have all these different types. You don't see a lot of pictures, a lot anyway. I do it from time to time, but you don't see pictures of my family on there. My wife, my son. Every now and then you'll get a beach picture or something like that, but every time I go out with my family, I don't have to take a picture of it and put it on social media. Go to any of my social media that I've had over the course of the last night. 19 years. 19. And I haven't even had social media that long. I think we had MySpace in the early 2000s. Go all the way back. It doesn't matter. You will never see me or my wife moving our personal argument that's in our house to social media. None of y'all have seen me and my wife fight on social media. If you knew us in the younger days and you were in our presence, you may have seen us fight face-to-face in person. But we don't broadcast our business on social media. I've been in the industry for 11 years. There are people in the industry who don't know that my name is Anthony. I dropped my box again. This time, I'm fed up, and I'm going to move the box to a different location. Now, I just chucked my box across the room. 
that fucker falls now, there's a ghost and a poltergeist. Probably both. There's people in this industry who've known me for a decade and did not know my name was Anthony. No clue. And then when they found out my name was Anthony, they still think my last name, my actual last name is Orsini, and it's not. Because I'm in control of my shit. I allow you to know the information that I allow you to know. If you don't need to know the information that I have, you will never hear it. Control. Gotta have control over what you're doing. There's a lot of people walking around here in this industry that don't. They love the hugs. They love the applause. They love the thrill of getting the pat on the back. Oh, what a great move. What a great promo. They love it. It's like the cube of sugar in the palm. Mm-hmm. Yay. A treat for me. But what you don't understand is that when you keep these things to yourself, when you allow these people only but so far in, you would be surprised how much better you feel because now you know that they're reacting to your performance, not for you. You can go out there and stink to join up and be a shit wrestler. But because they respect you, the individual, they know in real life you're this really cool dude, they're going to cheer for you and they're going to hype you and they're going to make you feel like you're the greatest human being who ever lived. And you very well might be. But that doesn't make you the best wrestler who ever lived. It may not make you the best performer. So they make you feel like you're great, like you're on top of the world. Man, this guy can really go. He can really do this. What a great guy. And then you take that act on the road. You'll, you know, let's say that you, you are from New York and everyone in New York loves you. He's such a great guy. You can't help but root for this guy. And they're really pumping you up, but the work's not there. Because they're not treating you like a talent. They're treating you like a person. And then you take that act of yours, whatever it is you do, you take that to another state. You drive to Florida. You know, you drive to Chicago or something like that. And you're doing your thing. And they're reacting like you're garbage. And you're confused. Everywhere else I go, this shit kills. It's not killing here. What happened? What happened here is real wrestling fans who are not biased, who don't know you from Adam, Gave you an honest opinion of what they felt your work looked like. This is me again. I'm. This is me giving you guys something that, you know, this is still a positive spin. Don't don't get lost on this. Don't let your ego hear what I'm saying and make you feel like I'm coming down on you. I'm tell. I'm giving you advice here. This is a positive spin because you want you want genuine reaction. Trust me, you do. I promise you, you do. And if you have to question whether or not you ever got it, you probably haven't. You won't know how good you really are till someone you don't know critiques what you do. I love my family to death, but they've never really seen me do this. And they've, not my immediate family, obviously my wife has been to like a thousand shows and my, and my mother and my siblings have, but like outside of that, uncles, aunts, Grandparents, whatever the case may be, I only have one of those left, but you get my point. They always supported 
that I had a passion and I wanted to do this, but they never partook. So they'll hype me. Oh, you know, I, if you're still doing it, you got to be doing great, man. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. And we know how much you love doing it. But they're not going to critique the work because they haven't seen it. If I go into the Bronx right now, I go to BWF, or or I'm trying to think of like like rings that I've been in the most, right? So like MTW, Fight the World Wrestling's coming back. You know, if I was in their ring in Queens or something like that, and I got a reaction, I would be hyped from that reaction. If I took that same routine, that same thing that I just did here, and I traveled down to I don't know Jersey, a town in Jersey I've never been in, and these fans are seeing me for the first time. And I do the thing there. And they're going crazy for it. And I take that same act, that same match, and bring them like to the east side, Pittsburgh of like PA. Right? Or Chicago, or even further out, the Midwest, maybe even to the California territories over there. If I'm getting a positive reaction from all those different people, which is all different walks of life, all different skill sets, all fans of different shit but they like what I'm doing, then your shit's good. Then your shit's over. That's how you know. Don't let your friends hype you into thinking that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Don't let these fans do it to you. Just circle back to where we started. You are in control of the information flow. You don't, happen to, you don't have to open the floodgates just to be accepted. I'm gonna pat. I, I'm not gonna sit here and pat myself on the back. I've got. I have. I don't even. I don't even tell people that I have fans because I don't even know if that's the case. I have a group of people that I know for a fact, both in the industry and these people are outside of the industry, who respect my work and respect what I do and respect my mind and and how I use it in this industry. Who respect my work ethic who respect how giving I am to other people in their careers and their gimmicks and their stories and respect how much of an effort I make to help promoters and bookers and respect how I treat my peers, whether it be someone who has more experience than me or less as a whole. I know there are people out there that respect me for that. I don't need... Anybody else outside that circle to pat me on the back. This is an opportunity. Call this a rallying cry. To those workers out there, those wrestlers out there that are trying to do something different, that are trying to push the envelope, you're screaming into the void. For as long as there are, for every two really creative, personable, kind of close to the vest type individuals like I'm describing, there's like, Eight to ten non-ones. And for those, they're the ones who are going to ruin it for everybody else. We need the majority of the people in this business to be on the same page. Control the flow of information. AEW is getting its ass kicked right now PR-wise because for some reason, no matter what's discussed in the locker room and no matter what's discussed behind the scenes, that shit always hits the net. Always. Ain't but so many options as to who's spilling the beans on some of this stuff. But there's always a fucking effort to get this shit out as fast as humanly possible. We have the ability as as performers. And trust me, 
the fans out there, the fans out there who are listening to this, you may feel like you do want to know. I promise you, you don't. You will have more fun with this business when you know less. And then you can just enjoy or not enjoy, depending on your unbiased opinion, the matches and the stories before you. You're going to have a much better time. It'll be easier to suspend the disbelief because you you won't know how this works anymore. It's going to take a while. It took a while to get here. Smart fans, quote unquote. It took a, a long time to get to smart fans. So it might take even longer, a generation or two, to get back somewhat to what we were before. But we can do it. Especially if we as veterans are bringing up the new generation with the morals and the ethics to do just that. But if we're just going to let people who don't give a shit about this business in the first place dictate how it works, then we've lost it. And this business might as well just burn to the ground. Forget it. There's no saving it. But I'm going to stay positive. I think people can do it. I think... Here's here's my prediction. Another couple years, and I'm going to be completely honest with you, I feel like social media as a whole will start to be fatiguing. I feel like it's going to be too much. It, it already is for a lot of people, but it's not the majority. The majority of people on this earth still love the apps, still love the social media, still love the camaraderie of having a method of communication with people. But just the way that the social media is used, it's going to be very fatiguing. And I feel like it's going to get a lot easier for people to not want to share information or to be honest with you, to even peruse through it. And I think if we can get to that point, we can start fixing this business again. To be fair, if we all as a planet got more into that where it's just a little less and we just pull it back a little bit and maybe not be so open and revealing socially I think a lot of things are going to get better there's so much antagonizing there's so much finger pointing there's so much toxic bullshit out there it's going to be fatiguing and I hate to say that we're going to eventually be forced into pulling back but at this point whatever it takes to pull back and just be a little less forthgiving with information. Control the flow. And the suspension of disbelief will come over time. I might not even see it in my fucking lifetime. <laughs> like, that's the timeline I'm talking about. Because we're, I'm going to be 40 and we're so knee-deep and everything needs to be on the internet. Everything. Every plan, every idea. Even if it goes off great without a hitch, the next interview is just them breaking down. Well, we almost did this. And it is what it is. But I'm staying positive. I think as a community, as a, as a group, we can do this. And I think we can fix this whole thing. And, you know, I have two more episodes left. And I didn't want to sit on a soapbox for any of these episodes, but... I do, I do want to leave you guys from this show. And remember, 
I'm not leaving. I still I have a lot more projects coming down the line. It's going to be really really dope. I'm just leaving this particular format, and I'm not even opposed to coming back to it. To be perfectly honest, there may come a day where or CD's uncensored mind is back again, but it's I don't see it happening at this moment. It we're we're, we're done in about two episodes, and. I've been both both positive and negative about wrestling throughout the course of this entire journey that is Orzidi's Uncensored Mind. And I don't want to leave this show with this feeling like, well, AJ just hates everything about wrestling, because I don't. There's so much of it I still really, really love. This is a part of my life more than anything else. Wrestling, and my wife, my wife, it's not going to get her feelings hurt about this, but my wrestling has meant so much to me for 40 consecutive fucking years. From some of my first memories in life it are involved with wrestling. I love wrestling through and through. I'll always be the lady at the doctor's office with the black guy who, you know, who walked into a doorknob. I don't care how toxic this company gets. I'm going to go to my fucking grave loving this business. Regardless of how I die. <laughs> whether it be a terminal illness or I get dropped in my head or whatever the case may be. I will always love this business. And I think personally, my own opinion, I think that's why people enjoy working with me so much. Because I laugh. And I smile. And I get creative, and I bounce ideas back and forth, and I, I and and I want to I want to fucking do this so fucking bad, even if I'm driving to the event and I'm in traffic and I'm cursing up the storm and I'm going bananas and the traffic's no good and the hotel sucks, whatever. When I'm in the building and I've got the garb on, and it's fucking go time and we're behind that curtain, there's no drug like it in the world. None. And I know I'm not going to be able to do this forever. I have a son who's approaching the age of eight. I, I've been fortunate enough to be there for him for as long as he's been alive. I've been with my wife now. Next year will be 20 years. And they both support me so much in everything that I've done. This podcast, my shows, when I was going to school... You know, I'm one of the most supported individuals on planet Earth. And because of that, I feel comfortable leaving one format for the next and going on to the next thing because I feel like I have more creatively to offer than just this one particular format. And that's why, in all honesty, I am going to be doing something else. I was just talking to a buddy of mine yesterday about all the different ideas that I had and where I'm taking this and, and part of it was what I mentioned earlier about being personable with fans. I have spent <laughs> an 11 year career not really opening the door to who I am as an individual with the exception of this podcast because this podcast I've been I have been honest. I have not run a gimmick on this podcast. This has been me the whole way through. I'm not running a gimmick. I've been truthful all the way through. 
Sometimes it's positive shit. Sometimes it's negative shit. It is what it is. But I think I'm more than that. Or at least I, I think I could be. And it's up to me to try and for you as an audience to decide. If my shit's whack, then you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to look at it. But if it happens to entertain anybody, really, then then I'm getting what I need from it. Because I feel like that's always been me as well. I'm an entertainer. I never really thought about it like that until recently. My wife was actually the one that brought that up. She goes, you're a showman. You're an entertainer. It's what you are. And I never really considered myself that. Because to me, I feel like an entertainer is someone who's trying. These ideas that I have in my head, this podcast, the wrestling shows, as arrogant as it may sound, it's very, it's low effort for me. It doesn't, I'm working hard, but it's not, because I love this so much, it doesn't feel like I'm really busting it. I feel like like, like, like it's, I'm in cruise control when this is happening. When I go to my regular job, my shoot 95, I feel like I'm pushing it. When I'm doing stuff around the house, I feel like I'm pushing it. When I'm in that building and there's an audience and I know I'm going to get on the microphone and I'm going to say some shit and I'm going to get a response from these people and that is, to me, is as easy for me as it is to breathe. I've done shows where I've been the ring announcer for 20 people. I've done shows where I've been the ring announcer for well over a thousand and commentated on pay-per-view and called some of the biggest matches to happen on the East Coast, maybe ever. And I've done all that with the confidence that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So next week, my brother and I should be back together. And we'll put another episode together for you guys. We'll talk about some more recent stuff happening in the world of professional wrestling. And then uh, maybe even finish some of that D23 stuff because we didn't finish that. He went off on a mermaid tangent. So we'll see We'll see what happens with that. But um, And then we're going to do the live show on October 11th. And that'll be it. <coughs> Excuse me. That'll be it. And... Uh, It'll be this is a fu- this has been a fun ride. I have no complaints. And I'm so happy that it I finally took the podcast equipment out of the closet and started this and did this. And I got artwork that I that will stay with me forever and I have audio that was customized just for me for this show that I will be able to keep forever. And this has been a big part of my son's life. I've been doing this for 5 years. He's 7. So one day a week for five years of his life, Daddy's had to go into the room to do his show. And uh, and I don't anymore. And my son actually got a little sad about it because he knows what this show means to me. He doesn't understand what's next to come, but he knows what this means. So he got a little emotional too when I told him it was coming to an end and my brother is not exactly all that happy either. This has been a very good outlet for him for the last two years. Um, for someone who's always wanted to do something like this and never really had either the time or the or just needed the push to just to try. Um, this this was a very big outlet for him, so I do feel bad on that part. 
but he's not out of the door. Deceive Dave will still be a part of whatever the Orsini Uncensored Mind, um, whatever this podcast will, will form into. I will have a lot more information <laughs> and a lot more, how do you say, a lot more uh, finality as to where we're going after this podcast on October 11th. And I can't wait to show you guys what I've been working on and what we've been up to and what's next for me and for my quote-unquote entertainment bug that I've got. There's a lot of different things um, on the docket that I'm excited for, and I hope you guys are too. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for downloading. Thank you guys for sharing. And of course, without a doubt, and this is the hugest part, thank you guys for enjoying. It really means a lot that you guys have stuck around for this long uh, next week, we're going to do one more regular episode and then the big go home and finale. So good night, guys. Thank you for sticking around and uh, we'll see you next week. This is my daddy's 200th episode. If you look to soul, buy some movies, t-shirts, mugs, tank tops. Beats to house? Phone cases. Go to H-A-O-U-N.com. This is my daddy's 200th episode. The soul keeps him busy, and he's not playing with me, so stop listening. Well, but he's actually going to me, so I won't play.